Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And Helen Raleigh, let's have a conversation about Hong Kong and China. Uh, this piece that you have in The Federalist, the Hong Kong protest is Beijing's new Tiananmen Square. Uh, you said that there's things that are looking eerily reminiscent of what happened. Uh, what was it? How many years ago was it? Well, it was in 1989, so it's about 30 years 30 ago. 30 years yeah. ago. I remember that. And, of course, there was that riveting photo of this young man in front of these tanks. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know. Um, but uh, you grew up in China. One thing before we jump into this, we talked a little bit about immigration earlier. And uh, you can tell you have such a love for the American idea. And I remember in your story... Uh, of your life story, that uh, you were uh, a professor or someone had come to to your school or something. And An you, American professor, okay, yes. And had given you some chocolate. Yeah, it was a Hershey chocolate bar. Yeah, It was, a, it was amazing um, because when I was growing up, um, everything was rationed, including sugar. Every household, uh, you get a very limited sugar. And normally, even you get the ration, like you get a ticket for sugar, um, but you do not necessarily have uh, if the store doesn't have it you don't even with a ticket you couldn't buy it so sugar was hard to come by and that chocolate just the Hershey bar just tasted very very delicious and i think that's what the problem we wanted to come to america it was a Hershey bar i know you said i want to go to the country where you can get that yeah when i can have as much Hershey bars as i want of course nowadays i'm like no <laughs> i need to watch my figure <laughs> but you can you can earn money and you yes. can and you can use your money to buy Hershey bars you know and and socialism ultimately comes down to rationing as you mentioned i think one mm-hmm. other thing of your story, uh, your name was could also be a boy's name, right? Yes, actually, a very popular boy's name. And and boys, uh, when they when the government determined families could get Ration, food, yeah. the rations, boys got more food than girls. So yes. your family was getting more. They put your name down, yeah. and they were getting more food right. because you had a boy's name. Yeah, and actually, it's really not that much more. But uh, you know, when you're starved, every little every little ounce actual food counts. So boys would normally receive for same age boy and the girls. Boys would normally receive about four pound more rice each month than girl. Okay, than a girl. Yeah. And when the authorities found out, what happened? Well, they forced our family to pay them back. They did not admit that they made a mistake. They they thought we are the one who's cheating, and you know, so they made us to pay them back. And so you got less food for a while. Yes, yes. Well, it's good to have you here in America. And I think that's one of the reasons why you've become such an important voice. Uh, Because you write for The Federalist. You uh, have pieces in The Wall Street Journal. Saw something recently on on Fox Fox News. And so it's really, it's just amazing uh, to watch your career here. But let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more. What else shall we talk about regarding this Hong Kong protest in Beijing and Tiananmen Square? Well, I think we Americans, uh, we should pay attention to what's going on in Hong Kong uh, because, uh, you know, from both economic standpoint, because we have investment there and we have tens of thousands of Americans live in Hong Kong. And also Hong Kong is a gateway to China. It's, uh, you know, our military boats, you know, stop by there for visit, collect information. But the most important thing is 
we have a moral obligation to care for Hong Kong because America is this a beacon of hope, beacon of a, a we stand for freedom, liberty, and uh, the pursuit of happiness, and that's what the Hong Kong people are trying to do right now. So America is the leader of the free world. We should not stay away from it, and also we have a legal obligation. There is a 1992 uh, U.S. Hong Kong Policy Act which allowed the United States to treat Hong Kong as this. Uh, not as independent sovereign, but a, something separate from China, from the mainland China. So we have separate tax agreement, tax treaty with Hong Kong that's different. We also have a criminal extradition with Hong Kong that we we did not have, we do not have so even till today with the mainland China, because Hong Kong follow a British legal system. So we feel comfortable that it will apply for the rule of law, the due process. So all this would change if the people's um, if Hong Kong became just another authoritarian you know city mm-hmm. you know of china so we have both we have economic uh military and legal as well as moral obligations to care about what's going in hong kong and really do something about it well hong kong has really been a, a gem um, yes. uh, very successful because i think again uh, uh, free markets, capitalism, mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things. Set this up, though, so people understand what happened. Uh, why did the, Why are we to this point with Hong Kong? Well, what we're to this point in Hong Kong is because um, uh, Great Britain gave Hong Kong back to China in 1997, um, under the uh, agreement that China will keep Hong Kong autonomy for. 50 years, which the autonomy means that economic, Hong Kong will be able to keep its economic system, but most importantly, legal, independent legal system, as well as, um, you know, political system, which is, means like free speech, you know, f- mm. freedom of expression. And, but since China took over Hong Kong in the last uh, 30, uh, 20 years, the, there's a gradual erosion of uh, both Hong Kong people's uh, economic freedom as well as political freedom. Uh, we saw um, Chinese, China send the plain clothes police to go arrest booksellers or uh, and uh, tycoons in, in Hong Kong, which is a erosion of their legal independence. And also Hong Kong authorities under pressure from Beijing uh, deny visas to foreign journalists and uh, also um, young people who led the previous umbrella pro-democracy movement or thrown into the jail. None of these things would have happened without the pressure from Beijing. So we already seen a change of Hong Kong. Hong Kong used to be the freest city. You know, if you look at the Heritage uh, Heritage Foundation's Freedom Index, Hong Kong for more than 20 years always ranked number one. It's the freest city in terms of economic and as well as uh, political freedom. That is why Dr. Milton Freeman used Hong Kong as a shining example for capitalism. Again, it's coming back to you. This is why we should care. As Americans, we, we love freedom. We support capitalism. We should not let this uh, shiny example fail in front of our eye. Okay. And so so what has happened then is there, there's a bill out there. It's the extradition bill. And that's in Hong Kong. Is that right? Yes. So this extradition bill will basically allow Hong Kong to, uh, authorities to surrender anyone China demands to send them to, to mainland China to face the uh, Chinese judicial system, which we know does not imply, uh, you necessarily rely on due process, mm-hmm. the rule of law. So it's uh, many times it can be based on chomped up charges, especially against uh, political opponents. opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so there's this law out there, and the, uh, so is there a president for Hong Kong, or who's... No, 
So Hong Kong has a chief executive right now. Her name is、uh, Carrie Lam.、Uh, she was appointed by Beijing in 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 many sense because Hong Kong does not have universal suffrage. So they have a election body made up by twelve twelve hundred people.、Um, a very small percent of them are elected by Hong Kong people,、um, but a majority of them are basically appointed by Beijing. They're pro Beijing, and so this is the body who elect. "Quote unquote," elected Carrie Lam.、Okay. So there's really it's not an election. It does she? Hong Kong has seven million, seven point million, a seven point four million people, and it's this twelve hundred election body elected. You know Carrie Lam.、Uh-huh. So she does not represent the seven million people. And she is so she. They have presented this extradition bill.、Right. Has have they voted on that or? Well, so they were trying to. She was trying to shuffle this through down the legislature. They had the debates on it, but that's when this is was back in April. That's when people started to protesting, and so right now she claimed the bill is dead. But she was really playing with the words. If you look at、uh, many people point out, if you look at her statement in English versus her statement in Chinese, there are different words, which which means the bill is really not dead. What the、uh, protester want is completely withdraw the bill, so the bill will never come back. But what she was basically is put the bill in the dormant situation.、Mm-hmm. So any time when the situation is ripe. She can easily, or somebody else can easily bring the bill back. That is why the protests continue going on. One of the reasons protests continue going on is people want a complete withdrawal of the bill, and people want her resignation. And none of that has happened yet. So, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I mean, the Chinese government already said,、um, if because they are Chinese、uh, people's People's Liberation Army stationed in Hong Kong, Hong Kong. And now、uh, they're showing the Chinese media showing the image of the so-called violence、mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. So, and also Hong,、uh, the military officer, the head of the military officer in Hong Kong, already said, you know, if it's necessary, they will send the military. So that's why, you know, I'm talking about the similarity between what's happening in Hong Kong now versus what happened in Beijing 30 years ago. I think all directions point to there, but of course, China. Hong Kong is not Beijing. You know, Hong Kong is a very international city. So,、uh, seeing tanks rolling down the street of Hong Kong is going to have a lot more political impact than seeing the street,、uh, tanks roll down the Beijing. Well, it's、uh, it's important that we keep an eye on this, and、uh, I think we need to pray for the people of Hong Kong.、Uh, they clearly want freedom. Is there any chance that Hong Kong could be sovereign themselves? Is that a possibility ever? I don't think so.、Um, not not legally and. Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult. That's never going to happen. Okay, so but stand for freedom for Hong Kong is really important. So, let's go to break. When we come back, let's talk about this other piece that you have in the Federalist、uh, regarding the Game of Thrones. Now you know I never watched that, but I, I think the title is very intriguing. It says, "In Week One, Boris Johnson turns his pursuit of Brexit into Game of Thrones." So we'll be right back with Helen Raleigh. Helen Raleigh,、uh, you、uh, you really are. You love the American idea, and you are living the American dream. You you came here, you went to school,、uh, you're a successful entrepreneur, and a beautiful writer. And、uh, your pieces in the Federalist,、uh, you really can delve into these issues. You、uh, had a piece recently for Fox News, or were on Fox News as well as Wall Street Journal. So it's pretty impressive. But let's talk about this piece. That's、uh, your most recent piece. In the Federalist Papers, or in the Federalist, excuse me, in Week One, you said Boris Johnson turns his pursuit of Brexit into Game of Thrones. They think it was a massacre. What happened? Well, so 
I think we're not paying enough attention what's going UK because what's happening in United States, but we should have because UK is one of our strong, strongest ally. We share many uh, similar cultural heritage and everything. So Boris Johnson is making the UK politics great again, entertaining <laughs> again. Kim, you have to go watch his um, this YouTube video about him uh, condemning uh, the Labour Party leaders, uh, Jeremy, Col- uh, Jeremy Corbyn. I talk about socialism, contain me about socialism, about the healthcare, about the, you know Brexit. It just um, it's just amazing. It's 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 very very entertaining. Okay. You you got to watch it. it. And so for the first week, so Boris Johnson last week is uh, in the middle of the week. So it was in the full week. He swore in as the uh, Tory party, the Conservative Party leader, as well as the Prime Minister of uh, UK. And Within the first hour, after he, just after he met the Queen, he had his first cabinet meeting. Within the first hour, he sacked eleven. He said eleven um, cabinet members from a holdover from the Theresa May's cabinet, and nine other eleven were people who supported his opponent, Jeremy Jeremy Hunt, who was another Tory members who ran against Johnson for the uh, PM job. So he sacked the eleven out of a. Uh, uh, he sacked the eleven of them, and then and then additional six of them resigned <laughs> under pressure. Yeah, so it was called the summer massacre uh, in UK. This was like never happened in their history before. And some so some UK media gave him the nickname the Godfather. So he's <laughs> paying a re- political retribution for him. And so that's one thing he did with um uh, he reorganized his cabinet. Uh, but then what did we do uh, do not talk about often is also he put the a Brexit team back together. So he appointed uh, Dominic uh, Cumming, who was this uh, uh, strategist, political, a uh, very famous political strategist, who helped Johnson lead the Brexit uh, vote in back in 2016, the okay. successful Brexit vote in uh, 2016. So Don, he appointed Dominic as a Johnson appointed Dominic as the most senior advisor, and he also appointed a friend of me, uh, Michael Gove. Michael Gove also played. This is all like the Beatles reunion. <laughs> so <laughs> you see John, Paul, everybody's got back together. So Michael Gove also was a prominent uh, leader back in 2016 of the uh, Vote Leave movement. And but uh, Michael Gove after after the Vote Leave movement won their uh, vote, basically slight majority said we're gonna leave, you know, EU back in 2016. And Johnson was widely expected he's gonna run for the. Uh, Prime Minister role back then, but uh, Michael Grove stabbed him in the back. He announced that he's going to run himself. Oh. So yeah, so basically, so it was very dramatic right before uh, the Johnson's announcement. Of Michael Grove said he's going to run. So Johnson, for some reason, withdrew his, uh, uh, you know, his own self nomination, and so the whole job, the PM job, ended up falling into the lap of Theresa May, mm-hmm. who was a a remainder. Mm-hmm. She actually supported remainder. She's not a Brexit. So that's kind of a delayed the actual Brexit for the next three years. Well, she where dragged her feet. Yes. They're just kind of trying to push it down because she didn't, as you mentioned, they wanted to remain with uh, the EU. She wanted to please everyone, right? So she said Brexit is Brexit, but she didn't really deliver. So she she came up with an agreement with the EU that everybody in UK hate. Doesn't matter which side, political uh, side, uh, political stream ideology they are. Everybody hates her deal. 
which eventually cost cost her her job, the prime ministership. So so Boris Johnson now basically put this team back in and want to. He's sending a strong message to EU, basically saying, "Hey, you know, we're gonna deliver this, and if you're not gonna work with us to come up with a new deal." We just gonna exit by October thirty first. So it's very entertaining. We should pay more attention to what's going on in the UK. Well, and uh, you know, uh, back in two thousand sixteen, there was Brexit, and of course, Donald Trump was elected. And I find a lot of hope in this that people want to have sovereign nations. And uh, so I find that, and it's entertaining. I didn't realize how entertaining it was across the pond because it's been pretty darn entertaining right here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So hey, we only have a few more minutes. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about Boris Johnson before we move on to the next subject? Well, I sh- I think we should pay more attention to what's going on and how he's going to complete this uh, because Brexit will have important economic impact as well as a political impact because if they can do this successfully, I I can I can see more countries in EU members will you know unhappy with EU bureaucracy will you know, basically vote with their feet. So I think we should pay more attention to what's going on there. And so that new world order actually is uh, not as strong as what uh, many of the globalists would say they think that it is. So No, it's not. I think people suddenly realize they want to have a way to hold their representative accountable. What a novel idea. Huh? <laughs> so, hey, let's uh, let's change gears just a little bit. You and your husband are supporting a, a really beautiful charity. It's called Cuddle Cots. And uh, would you tell our listeners a little bit about that, Helen? Right. Actually, the charity group is called Walk With Me. Okay. Um, what we're doing is uh, we're we're working with them to donate the cuddle cards. So basically, um, you know, we lost our son last year, and we didn't have the gift of time to spend time with them because, um, you know, uh, if if the body are not kept refrigerated, mm-hmm. they, they deter- the nature take care took took care of the cost where you know, very dramatically. Um, so I never heard about the uh, cattle cards until I, I started to talk to this charitable group called the Walk With Me uh, because this year in May we did a charitable walk with my honor our son and also re- we were able to raise a bunch of money thanks to all the friends, including mm-hmm. you, friends and families helped us with it. And so we're thinking, well, what's the, you know, how do we, what's the best way to use this money? And uh, so they mentioned about cattle cards. What the cattle cards is, it's a refrigerated system um, it comes with a bassinet by itself, but it also can connect to any bassinet uh, in the hospital. And it has this cooling pad. It's a cooling system. It has a cooling pad. What you can do is you can insert the cooling pad underneath the bassinet. So keep the baby's body cool. Mm-hmm. And so we'll allow the uh, uh, baby's to, uh, parents and family to spend more time with their baby mm-hmm. and still keep their baby's body in a re- mm-hmm. good condition for several days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this way you'll give the family the gift of time to allow them to create memories they can take pictures uh the parents can you know bathe in their baby change their clothes do all the things they always wanted to do because those few days will be the only time they get to spend with their baby on this mm-hmm. earth and in, in the future in many dark days dark nights and they're gonna need the photos mm-hmm. the, memories the memories to keep them alive <clears throat> well it really is a uh, a, a beautiful charity and uh, there is uh, much more fetal death in America than we realize. And I think that uh, one of the things is is because uh, many people don't don't talk about that because there is uh, so much pain and there is so much grief. And so this beautiful charity, it's Walk With Me mm-hmm. and these cuddle cots, 
allows families to to go through that that grieving process and as you mentioned to uh, create memories um, and it's just a, it's really a, a, a beautiful thing I think that it probably helps I, I don't know if healing's the right word it because, is the right word okay it, it is a healing the wound never go away but it is a healing process you it helps family uh, create a memory so they learn how to live with it and uh, so now t- talk to me a little bit more about Walk With Me, uh, what this particular charity does. Oh, this is a local charity. It was founded by our parents who lost their, their son also. Um, they actually discovered that when their son still in their utero, when they're still pregnant, that he would not be able to live for very long. And they were advised to abort the baby, but they choose not to. So they, the baby was born, and actually his name's Logan. He was able to live for a couple of days, which surprised all the doctors and medical mm-hmm. professionals. And so this couple decided to start this organization to help with other families who experience pregnancy and infant. And loss. And you're absolutely right. Um, for example, in stillbirth alone, United States, 24,000 babies die of stillbirth alone. We're talking about these are fully developed babies. Yeah. And so, you know, these 24,000 are too many. We need to bring more attention to what are the different things we can do to help minimize or even reduce prevent a stillbirth rate in this country. We need to break the cultural stigma to talk about it and also to help families who uh, experience the loss to learn how to grieve about it. And we don't do a good job in society so far. So I'm very lucky to have strong support from families and friends like you. Uh, but not everybody has that kind of network. So I, I, we are also hoping that by doing this charitable work to bring more attention to some really truly tragic side of our lives and so it really helps people with there's a, there's a big hole yes. in people's hearts when you talk about 24,000 stillbirths here in this in our country and uh, so this walk with me what a beautiful charity and uh, Helen Raleigh thank you so much people can find all of your um, publications at Helen Raleigh Speaks, right? HelenRaleighSpeaks.com. They can also follow me on Twitter at HRaleighSpeaks. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being in studio as a guest check. Greatly appreciate it. So much fun. Thank you.